Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Two weeks from now, we start a brand new sermon series called You Asked For It. You Asked For It. And the reason why we titled it that is because during Easter, this past Easter, we handed out a survey to everyone who came to church and we said, hey, what do you want to hear a message on? And we took the top six answers. We got over 400 responses. We took the top six answers and we, we, we put them in. And so we're going to start that sermon series in two weeks. But for the next two weeks, we're going to do a little mini series, a little mini talk that I have entitled, Why Do We Do That? Why do we do that? Especially two people tell them, why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's a good question. Go ahead. Tell two people, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? And I want to introduce that topic with a story. So as you guys know, I have two children. One his name is Justice. The other is Zane. One is uh, about five and the other is three. And uh, Zane is at that stage now where his favorite question you can probably imagine is, it is why. It is why. Now, I love that. But sometimes he asks why to questions I don't know the answer to. Things that I have done my whole life but have never given thought to it until he asks the question why. For example, my wife and I were in the kitchen having breakfast, and we just started kissing. Nothing like weird. Not making out or anything in front of our kids, you know. You know? Just kissing, you know. There was no tongue. Just kissing, lips on lips. And, and, uh, and Zane comes over, and he goes, goes, why are you guys kissing? And I said, because we love each other. He said, but why do you kiss when you love someone? And I was like, because I didn't know the answer to that question. If you know the answer to that question, enlighten me. I'd love to know the answer to that question. I had no idea. So I gave him, this is our go-to answer now when we don't know the answer to our son's questions. It's just simple. It ends it. We just go, because that's what we do. That's my answer, because that's what we do. Again, Zane uh, is getting dressed or getting undressed for bath time. And so they're at the stage now where they can get undressed on themselves and run into the bathtub. And so Zane takes off all his clothes, but instead of going to the bathtub, he decides to do laps around my living room, just naked. Everything is just there. And, just, and I said, Papi, I said, you can't just run around naked. He said... I said, because that's a good question. I mean, that's why I just said, because that's what we do. That's just my, my default response, which I probably should change it, because the other day he was beating up on his brother. Just going wild on him. I'm like, Jane, why are you hitting your brother? No lie. He said, because that's what I do. Just like that. Because that's what I do. I was like, oh, we need to find another answer uh, to, these, uh, to these situations. And so, and so listen, while it's, while it's okay to not know why we kiss and, and it's why it's okay to know, not know why we put clothes on, you, those are pretty much the only two exceptions. You can't do anything for long without first knowing why you're doing it. Why you're doing it is so important because if you don't know why you're doing something, eventually the thing you're doing becomes meaningless. And, and the things that become meaningless, can I tell you, eventually become a burden. 
And the things that become a, bur a burden eventually get abandoned. For example, if I told you to run, and I was like, hey, run. If you, if you really trusted me, you might do a little hop step, you know? If I was like, run, you'd be like, oh, oh. But then, but then after like two minutes, you'd look at me and you'd go, okay, uh, uh, why? And, and, then, and then if I said, no reason, you'd be like, oh, well then no. Um, this is work. Uh, I'm not we're doing work right now. But if I said, because there's a pit bull behind you, or, or if I said, because around the corner there's a finish line, if you cross it, there's a million-dollar prize, then at that point, you are gone, right? Because the way you run is determined by why you're running. Just like the way you pray is, is determined on why you're praying. If you're praying for your food because you want God to bless it, Father, thank you for this food. I love you. Amen. I mean, that's it. You, you get away with that. But how many people know you don't pray for that the way you pray for a job? God, I need it, Lord. I need that job. I don't care what it is, Lord Jesus. Just bring that job, Lord, with some benefits. God, I need some benefits, some dental. I need some dental. My teeth are jacked up, Jesus. I need some dental. I need some medical. Come on, Jesus, please, Jesus. With an IRA, 401k match. Jesus! All right, because the way you pray is very much determined on, on why you're praying, which leads us to my final point. If you don't like the way you're living, maybe you should figure out why you're alive. Here's what you can write down if you're taking notes. By the way, that's what those cards are for, the ones that you know, are handed in the way here to take some notes and for us to get some information from you at the end. Here's what I want you to write. The, 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 the why determines your way. The why determines the way. Now, I could, I could explain this to you furthermore, or I could just show you a clip, and I will show you a clip that will further explain this principle. And this is just my intro, by the way, but this is going to minister to you. And so I'm going to show you this clip, and uh, it's from a comedian. His name is Michael Jr. And uh, what he does is in the middle of his show sometimes, he'll have conversation with the people who are in the audience. And so he's having this conversation with someone in the audience, and there's an amazing principle that comes out of it. And so I just want you to, 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 to watch this clip. He, he's asking the person what he does for a living, and he finds out that the person is a music director. And that's, that's kind of where we, where we leave off. So just uh, put your eyes onto the, to the screen. So you're a musical director? Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if. Uh, your uncle just got out of jail. You got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Blah! 
Yeah, yeah. Now, now here's, the, here's the principle I want you to get across. When Michael Jr. first asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. But then he knew why he was doing it. Like if your uncle got shot. Like if he just got out of jail. And could you see why? Because your why determines your way. And if you want to increase the impact of what you're doing, you need to first answer why you are doing it, which is why, can I tell you, church attendance will never change your life. Are you pushing and say that? You're a pastor. Don't you want people to show up? I do. Please keep showing up. But here's the thing. I got to be honest. I want you to show up for the right reason. Because if you don't have the right why, then this what called church will never have an impact on your life. If the reason why you come to church is because, it, 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 because a friend invited you and, and, and you don't really just want your friend or, or because, you know, um, you, you're just curious or, or because, you know, you don't like your last pastor. This is going to get boring. This is going to get boring. I'm going to say something you don't like and you're going to be gone because it becomes a burden. But if the reason why you're coming is because you're desperate for a miracle, because you need God to do something in your life, because you're just wanting him to touch you, or because he's done something in your life, then all of a sudden this atmosphere changes. Then all of a sudden these sermons have power. Then all of a sudden those songs deliver. When your why is right, the what becomes powerful. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to just say this is just my intro. Okay, you can, you, can, you can take this and you can apply it to many areas of your life. Why are you married? Because that could be the reason why you're having trouble. Why do you, are you having issues at your job? Why are you pursuing riches? Why do you want to be famous? Why do you want to be well-known? Because you're chasing a lot of what's right now, but if you don't have the right why, those what's will not have impact in your life or the lives of others. And so you just take that and you use that however you want to use that, you apply that. What we're going to be doing for the next two weeks is we're going to be applying that to two things we do in church that I believe are so important, but either you fall in one or two categories. Either you were invited to church today by a friend or, or you're new to church and you don't know a lot about it and we do it but because you don't know why we do it it doesn't have power or you fall into this other category where maybe you've been in church your whole life and you just do it because that's the way we've always done it but you don't know why we do it and it also doesn't have power and so that's what I want to do and the why that I want to search today is why do we praise and worship why do we sing do we know that I had one person that had been in church before he told me why do y'all sing he told me I never thought of it this way he says it looks like like mass karaoke you got the words on the screen and everybody's just following the words. Like, why do we do it? And I thought, that's a great question. We gotta answer that question. Because if you know the why behind it, I'm telling you, it has impact and it can change your life. And I want praise and worship to be something that impacts your life, whether you're, whether you're new and you're just seeking to understand it or you've been in here this whole time and you want it to go to another level, I'm gonna teach you. And here's the very first reason. It's real simple, because God asked for it. Yeah, because God asked for it. And I wanted to start there because I also wanted to teach you something else, especially to our young people. Where are our teenagers and our journey students at? Make some noise if you're here, journey students. Yeah. I, wanna, I mean, this applies to anybody, but especially them. You know, when, when I was growing up, um, my dad and I would bump heads a lot of times. The, the way he saw things is not always the way I saw things. But I'm a very logical person. And so if my dad could explain to me why we were doing what we were doing, I was okay with it. And most of the times he had a great explanation. But a lot of times he didn't. A lot of times his explanation was unsatisfactory, was frustrating, because a lot of times his explanation was, because I said so. I said, well, what do you mean, because you said so? I'm a human being. I have a brain that doesn't compute. There should be a reason. Oh, there is a reason. Why? Because I said so. Oh, I didn't like that. He said, well, too bad. I said, well, how come? 
He goes, well, my house, that's right. And if you don't like these rules, you can find another house. And let me just tell you, I know that young people, and you might not want to hear that in church, but, but let me tell you, when you're 18, you might move out of your home, but you don't move out of this universe. And here's what Isaiah said. The earth is his footstool and the heavens are his recliners. This whole thing is God's house. And if it's God's house, then it's his rules. We don't get to debate what God put in the Bible. We don't get to debate our perspective on God. It's what God said. And that's important because we're living in a culture today that is trying to debate things that God did not put up for debate. You might not like it, but you got to obey it because it's his house and it's his rules. And one of the things that he asks us to do is praise and worship. But he doesn't just ask us to do it one time. He asks us to do it a lot of times. In fact, the largest book in the Bible is called the book of Psalms. And there are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. Compare that to a book like Jonah that has only four. 150 chapters, the largest chapter in the Bible is in the book of Psalms. And there is a reason because that book is all about praise. He tells us over and over and over again that he wants us to praise. And so he doesn't just tell us he wants us to. Listen, he also tells us how he wants us to do it. Because what I want you to understand in grass today is not just the power of praise and worship, but also how to praise and worship. Because there is a right and wrong way to praise. God gives us the right way to praise. He does that throughout the book of Psalms. And so Psalms 150, it's on the screen. It goes like this. Praise the Lord. Praise the God in his sanctuary. I highlighted sanctuary because there's some people who are like, I just like to get my praise on at home. Hmm. I just like to put on my little iPod and do the dishes and Jesus, Jesus. Mm, go ahead, Jesus. Yeah. And let me just tell you, private praise is good. But if the only kind of praise that you display is private praise, it's not correct praise. Because God also asks you to come into the sanctuary and praise with your fellow brothers and sisters. That's what he says. It's called communal praise. There's power in communal praise. Jesus said, where there is one or two come together in my name, then what they ask for shall be given unto them. It takes a crowd. It takes a group. It takes a family. It takes a community. It takes a sanctuary. So, so, so hey, you can do your, you know, you're in the shower worship. That's okay. I'm sure a part of that pleases God, but there's also a part of it that happens only in this sanctuary. Praise him. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of a trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and the dancing. I highlighted dancing because I wanted you to know that when I jump, that's not me being emotional. That's not me being, you know, being sensational. That's my dance because I can't dance, okay? And so when I, when I tell people at Journey Church to, to jump and worship, maybe you got bad knees. That's okay. Do a little side, you know, do a little dab. Just stay right here. But whatever you do, make sure you praise God, whether it's a sidestep, whether it's a jump, whether it's a side step, whatever you got. The Lord said, praise him with dancing too, okay? And so that's why the worship team does little spins and stuff like that. Because that's what the Bible says. That's what it says. I didn't say that the Bible said that. Some people say, well, I don't like how music, how loud the music is at Journey Church. Oh, I'm just trying to follow the Bible. Praise him with the clash of symbols. You ever heard of clash? Ha! But not only that, look, praise him with the, what's that? Resounding. In other words, I don't just want you to hit that symbol. I would do it, but I'm afraid I'd break it. I don't, I don't want you to just hit that symbol. He says, I want that symbol to resound, to resound. Noise doesn't make God nervous, but it does make the devil nervous. Oh, yes, it does. Let me tell you something about praise. I'm telling you, because we got to do it the way God wants us to do it. The word for praise that we find in Psalms 150 is the root word that we get for hallelujah, and it's called halal. Everybody say halal. And this is what it says. This is direct from, from, direct from, the, from the concordance, direct from, uh, from the expository dictionary, direct from there. It goes like this. The definition of the word praise, to shine, hence to make a show, 
to boast, and thus to be clamorously foolish, to rave and to celebrate. I don't know about you. That sounds a lot less like church and a lot more like Amway. That sounds a less like church and a lot more like the Orlando City Soccer Stadium, right? And I love those guys. They do all those things, right? I mean, it's like, uh, how's it go again? To, to make a show, they body paint themselves. To boast, my team is better than your team. To be clamorously foolish. This is the greatest team on the planet Earth. To rave. <laughs> to celebrate. I just want you to know, I'm not advocating that we come to church and body paint. Please don't do that. But maybe we ought to worship like we got home field advantage. Maybe we ought to worship like this is all God. And everywhere we step, whether it be in sickness or in health, in riches or in poverty, just by virtue of us being there, we get home field advantage. Maybe we ought to raise our voice like our father owns the universe and we are his kids and we take authority and dominion over those things. Come on. Maybe we ought to praise like we got home field advantage. Maybe we ought to rave a little bit. Some of you guys still don't know the definition of rave because you're looking at me like, oh, yeah, I'll rave for sure. On the inside, I'm raving on the inside. It's not the way God wants it. Why do we praise? Because praise is my purpose. You know, I want, I want to tell you that we are very much a church that is, that is interested in your needs. We really are. We do things to help meet those needs. We've got small groups for married couples. We've got small groups for single people. We've got small groups for those who dominate in the Spanish language. We've got small groups for those who are looking to want to be a part of an outreach. We've got small groups for people who want to go on missions. We, we want to meet your needs. We, we have served Saturdays where we're meeting physical needs, financial needs, love day. We want on mission trips. We, we want to meet your needs. But can I just tell you something? Church is not all about you and me. It's really not. We praise for his pleasure. There's a big part of the reason we come here is to lift up the name of God, to give him honor and glory, to make sure that he's famous. And we don't just come here for him either. You might not know this, but we also come for those around us. We say, well, how does my praise impact those around us? Well, here's what the Bible says. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, church, a royal priesthood, church. You're a holy nation, church. You're God's special possession, church. But why? Why are we God's special possession? Why did he save us? Why did he redeem us? Hear it that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness from his wonderful, from his wonderful light. you got to declare. And you know what declare means? Declare just doesn't mean to God. Declare means when other people are watching, declare it. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me modernize this verse for you. Here's what God's saying. We ought to be excited about God around people. Yeah, that's why I got no shame in my jump and my spin and when I shout. I'm sorry if that scares you. But, 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 and you say, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't jump so much. Maybe we shouldn't be so excited. Maybe we shouldn't be so excited about God. That scares people. I don't agree. I don't think our passion scares people. I think our passion excites people. I think our passion gets people curious. What are they so excited about? Because whatever it is they're excited about, I want some of whatever they're excited about. And I know that firsthand because a couple years ago, my wife and I moved to Gainesville, Florida. We weren't even married. We were dating. Um, moved to, to Gainesville, Florida, to, uh, but we weren't living together at the time. I just, I just, just trust me. We're doing everything right. And we were in Gainesville, um, and, uh, and, and we helped plant a church, and uh, we, were both, we were both, and I didn't like the city. I'll be honest, I, I hated the city because uh, there was a culture there of, uh, of go Gators. Any Gators in the, in the house this morning? Florida Gators, I'm an alumni, okay? My wife and I both graduated. We loved the school. We just didn't get the culture. Everywhere we went, there was an alligator. We didn't get it. A college football was not something I grew up on. You know, it wasn't just a part of my upbringing. And no offense to those who were raving college football fans. It just didn't resonate with me. And then when I went to get gas, I got gas at Gator Gas. When I went to go buy toys for my kids, I bought it at the Gator Goodies store. If I was hungry, I went to Gator Grill. It was Gator everything. 
Gator everything. And then finally, we had some friends give us two tickets to a Gator game. Remember that game? 120,000 people in the stands. The moment we get there, everybody's standing on their feet. The entire game, no one sits down. They have seats, but you don't sit down. And so my wife and I, we're sitting down because we're not all about it. We're sitting down, and we're secretly judging everyone. We're sitting down, and we're like, idolaters. A gator didn't save you. The cross saved you. Looking at people, getting all excited about this game. We're just like, "Mm -mm, no, baby, we are not standing up, okay? We will not be Sodom and Gomorrah right here. We are not going to give. Just That was at the beginning of the first quarter. By the beginning of the second quarter, we were on our feet. But still, cautious. Hands in the pockets. That's not so bad. I mean, these, everybody seems to like it. Everybody's having a really good time, you know. A little fun here. That's not so bad, right, baby? I'm sorry. They're not bad people. I'm sorry. But then halftime came, and at halftime it all switched because at halftime they have this tradition where they get up and they put their arms around everybody. My wife and I have no idea what this tradition is about. We're standing. The person next to us goes, hey! He's drunk out of his mind. He says, hey! He grabs my arm. The other lady over my wife grabs arm around her shoulder, and now they start swaying. And now we're not even, we don't have an option now. Which is in it. We're for, we got forced into it. Now everybody's swaying. Dun, 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 dun. We don't know the words. There's words in between. We didn't know those, but we just pretended like we. Probably you guys come to church for the first time. You don't know the words either. You're just like, Jesus. That was us. We were like, go, get us. Go, get us. And then after that, we scored a touchdown. Switch for us. At that point, we became raving Florida Gator fans. Yeah! Woo! Woo! No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We were so excited. We were so excited. And what ministered to us, what pulled us in, was the passion of those around us. Passion has a way of pulling people in who might not agree with you in the beginning, who might wonder, who might think you're weird, who might be curious. But when you're passionate and accepting and welcoming, Hey, you might not know the song. It's okay. I'll teach you. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> it just draws. And so, you know what? If you're, if, if, if you're here for the first time and you're wondering what Journey Church is all about and why we get excited, it's because Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He rescued us for our sins. And we just can't help but kind of jump and shout. We just get excited. We got passion. And if you stay here long enough, <laughs> and if you come back next week, you might just catch it. But forewarning, you might just get as passionate as, as we are. Why do we praise? We praise him for who he is. Just for who he is. Yeah, and sometimes I think we forget just how great God is. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I used to uh, serve at a church before this church, and, um, and one day we had uh, this, 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 like, original, like, I don't know how else to say it, like, in, 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 in today's slang, it's OG, but uh, original gangster, but what that really means is somebody who uh, has been around a long time. This person came in from, from the northeast of the United States. He was a, a famous church planner. He had planted over 100 churches in the northeast part of the United States, and he came to our church to visit and to preach. Now, now he's, he's like 85 years old. Like he's pushing, pushing 90, and, and he gets up on the mic, excuse me, and everybody knows who he is but me. I just don't know. It was my generation. I'm, I'm grateful for him planting 100 churches. Could you imagine that? I planted one, and, and, and it, it was hard, and it still is hard. I can't imagine planting 100. So he, he uh, came, and he started preaching, and, uh, and he gets the microphone, and he gets up there. Now, again, he's almost 90. He, he really doesn't preach like he used to preach. And, and, and he started, he said, he said, he said, uh, he said, good afternoon, church. Everybody in the church knew who he was but me. 
Everybody in the church starts going, ooh, amen. I'm like, what? He just said good morning. And then he said, and he, said he just said, I just wanted to come tell you that God loves you. They said, oh, that's deep. Hallelujah. I'm like, what? I preach for a living. You know how hard it is for me to get a hallelujah from a crowd? For me to get a, oh, that's deep? For me to get a wow? I put hours into that. That man said, good morning. And you're going to give him a hallelujah? But I'm thinking all this internally, of course, right? <laughs> and then he said something that, like, have you ever met somebody who, who was important and they said something that they intended to be funny but wasn't really funny but because they were important, everybody laughed. But if they weren't important, people would have been like, what? Then he said something like, something like it, was, it, was, it, it, it was hard to get to church today. That's something that you should be sad about. Like, everybody was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got it. Those guys are so funny and anointed and powerful. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But why? Why? Not because of what he's doing. Why are people revering him? Why are people praising him? Why are people acknowledging him? Not because of what he's doing, because of what? Because of who he is. I'm telling you, sometimes we forget just how great God is. And our reverence and praise is not directed at what he's doing or where we are in our life right now, but because of who he is and how great that person is. And in case you forgot, Psalms chapter 145, verse 3, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Psalms chapter 48, verse 1, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Psalms 96, 4, for great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Hear me when I tell you our God is not an average God or a mediocre God or a medium God. He is an all-surpassing, all-powerful, all-beautiful, all-merciful, all-alpha and omega beginning and the end. He's our righteousness, our salvation. He's our power. He's our peace. He is our hope. And in case you forget it, he is great and worthy to be praised and worthy to be praised. He's great. He's great. Why do we praise him? For what he's done. For what he's done. You know, we have a great mixture of people at Journey Church, and, and I appreciate every single one of you, and I don't take you for granted. I appreciate those who are a little more um, loose in their worship, who, 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 who do the hand-raising thing. I love it. We are a hand-raising uh, church, and uh, I think that's funny whenever we ask that, because we like, raise your hand if you're a hand-raising church, and people be like, I just can't, because I'm not a hand-raiser. I just, I just nod at you and be like, no, I'm not a hand-raiser, but I don't raise my hands. And so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that we have different people that come from different backgrounds. They grew up in different um, Christian denominations and, and, uh, and, you know, they worship the way that they worship. Here's the only thing I ask of you. Just, just, don't, just don't judge somebody who's doing, who's just a little extreme on their end. When you see somebody jump and spinning, when you see somebody, you know, running around, when you see somebody just kind of, anybody runs around, but if you, if you wanted to, I mean, just don't hurt nobody. Um, just, if you see somebody, you know, kind of spinning or or you know why you can't judge them here? Because you don't know what God did in their life. You don't know that that person used to be a drug addict. You don't know that that person used to be a felon. And what they're doing now is just a reflex to the goodness that God did in their life. And so the next time you see somebody flip or spin or something like that, you know what you got to remember? I don't know what they've been through. And I don't know what God's done. And so you got to forgive me when I shout and I preach. And it's not a show. I'm not trying to, 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 to put on a show. It's just what God has done in my life. I get up here and I, and I have a, a, a measure of boldness probably, maybe a, a measure of, of self-courage or assurance. But you don't see me throughout the week. You don't see me 
struggling to put these sermons together. You don't see me crying to Liz about how insecure I feel about that. And I've always felt that way. That's never left me. But when God gives me an opportunity to stand in front of people and I think, I don't have the gifts or talents to be able to do this. And yet, and yet you have me here doing this. I can't help but shout because I know what he's done in my life. I know what he's brought me through. I know what he's taken me out of. It's what he's done. One time in the Bible, there was a woman named Mary who opens up a box of alabaster. Alabaster oil was the most expensive perfume that you could have at the time. Very, a couple of years wages worth. And she pours it out on Jesus' feet. And, and some, some Pharisees come alongside and they begin to accuse her. Well, that's a little over the top, Mary. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. That's a little extreme, Mary. Your worship is a little, is a little rough. And you know what Mary says? You don't understand what that cost me. See, all you see is perfume, but what you don't know are the men she had to sleep with to break that perfume, the people whose body she had to give herself over to, the abuse that she had to endure. It's not just perfume that she's pouring out. It's shame that she's pouring out. It's her past that she's pouring out. It's her sin that she's pouring out. It's her hurt that she's pouring out. It's all of the, all of the things that she doesn't think about anymore that she's pouring out on Jesus' feet. You don't know what it cost her, so don't judge her. And You don't know what it cost him or her who is praising the Lord with passion. You don't know what it cost them. You don't know. In, in, in North Carolina, there's a military camp called Lake Lejeune. Lake Lejeune. And, and the problem with this military camp is that it's built right next to some subdivisions, some homes, which is a real big problem because they also have airplanes that, that drop in. They got F-16s that fly in and they land. And, and they had to make a, put up a sign because what was happening was these F-16s were landing and the F-16s were like, and people were like driving in the highway. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And people in their homes were getting all nervous. And so the military put up a sign to let everybody know what was going on. And they said this, this is what the sign says. Pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. So I'm sorry if it gets a little loud in here. And I'm sorry if it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. It's what God has delivered us from. It's the cross. It's our future. It's our hope. That's why we shout. That's why I stop. That's why we jump. That's why we spin. That's why it's like, you don't know my story. If you knew my story, you know. So forgive me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I know there are people here who are like, I'm never coming back. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just saying, I just, I, I get excited on Saturday for my football sports, and I get excited during the playoffs, and, and if I'm going to make noise for a team that doesn't know me, I sure as heck will make noise for the God who created me, and the God who redeemed me, and the God who delivered me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. The last reason why we praise, listen, because worship changes everything. Because worship changes everything. A lot of you guys know our story. My wife and I, we lost a child, uh, you know, two years ago, and, um, and it was a tough, tough, tough scenario. We're in the hospital. We don't really know if the baby's going to make it or not. We finally find out that he's not going to make it. And we're in the room now. We just disconnected his ventilator. And so now he didn't have, his lungs were underdeveloped. And so now he's struggling to breathe. And so we're holding, we're holding our baby in our arms. And we are literally, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but we are literally watching our son suffocate to death in our arms. The hardest thing we've ever had to, to be, be a part of. We don't know what to do. My wife can't move. She's in the bed. She's still got the, 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 the needles and the stitches and the pain, all that stuff going through her, the anesthesia. We got some family in the room. Family's great. They hug you, they, but they got no words, right? I don't hold that against my family. There's nothing they can say in those moments. Liz and I had one recourse, one response, pulled out our iPhone, went to SEU worship, if you're listening to this podcast, and we clicked a song called The Comforter Has Come. Comforter has come, and that hospital room was filled with God's presence through worship. 
And I just want to tell you, I don't know what happened inside of me. I can't explain what happened inside of Liz. But when that music went on, something shifted. Everything changed in that room. There was a peace in that room. There was a rest in that room. There was wholeness in that room. We knew what was happening, but we, there was, a, there was a, a strength that resonated from within us that we could not put into words. The nurse walked into this room, and she has been in scenarios like that, and she's like, what is going on in this room? She put us to the side. What do you, I got to know, what do you guys do for a living? Who are those people in there? There's something in this room. I don't know if it was maybe the, the emu oil that your mom was pouring out on your back. I don't know if that was it. Emu oil does not smell good. Um, we had some emu oil going on, all those things. But the nurse walked in and she said, there's something in this room. And I'm not talking about the smell. What is it? And I just told her, well, here's what we do. We're, we're pastors and we go to a church and we got people praying for us right now. And the worship, oh, guys, the best thing I can teach you as a pastor and probably the strongest, the best thing you'll ever learn uh, when it comes to praise and worship is this. Praise and worship changes things. You need to learn that because when you get in the scenario and you don't, you don't know your way out, you need to worship your way out. Worship changes the dynamics of the room. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes your position. I don't know how else to explain it to you, but when you, when you face a problem, the problem is big and God is small. But the more you worship, it's like worship, 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 worship. And by the time you're done, God is big and the problem is small. It's just the way it is. We war with our worship. This is what the Bible says. Psalms chapter 18, verse 3. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Worship sometimes is the thing that will save you. When Saul was being tortured mentally and emotionally by an evil spirit, he asked for David to come in and play the harp. And as David played the harp, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord rushed into that room, and Saul's situation was changed. He went from tormented to peace. In First Chronicles, we have a, 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 the people of God who are outnumbered by the Moabites. They've got way more people on the enemy side than on their side. The king of Israel says, what should we do? they got more people. The, the, the prophet came up to the king and he said, here's what you need to do. You need to get all your musicians and you need to get all your singers. In other words, he said, you need to get the worship team to go on ahead of you. That's why we have worship at the beginning of the service. He said, you need to get worship going on ahead of you. And as the worshipers went through, without swords, without slings, the Bible says that they were armed ooh, with tambourines with trumpets, with harps and lyres. And here's what the Bible says, that as they worship, that the Lord sent his armies, his armies to ambush the Moabites from the trees and from behind. We war with our worship. We war with our worship. That's my prayer for you, by the way. I pray a couple of things every morning, every morning, every Sunday morning specifically. Here's my prayer for you, that the way you come in here would not be the way that you leave. That if you came into this building with your head held low, that you would leave with your head held high. That's why you'll never hear sermons, hear me preach sermons about how bad you are. You know you're bad. That's why you came to church. I'm going to talk to you about God's promises. I'm going to talk to you about all the good things God wants to do in your life. And I'm going to try and direct you to praise and worship because that's how we fight. That's how we fight. With our praise. With our praise. And, and look, the Old Testament it has a symbol in that. See, the thing between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that a lot of what we see in the Old Testament is actually fulfilled symbolically in the New Testament. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. That's why we don't have to get punished for, for, for you know, those hidden sins and those things in our life because Jesus became the symbol, the symbolic sacrifice for our sins. And that's why we, we do that. And there's worship in the Old Testament that now we carry on symbolically in the New. This will all make sense to you in just a second. I want to read to you from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 9. It says this. And, and it's symbolic, watch. 
But when the people come in through the north gateway to what? To worship the Lord during religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. So if they come in through the north, they got to leave through the south. But if they come in through the south gateway, verse 9, they must leave by the what? By the north gateway. Look what he says, next verse. They must never leave the same. You must never leave this building the same way you came in. Because that's what worship does. It doesn't allow you to leave the same. And you say, well, I worship and I praise all the time, and I don't feel that. Yeah, but now you know why you do it. When you understand why you worship, you unlock the power of worship. And you can leave this place differently, in a different way than the way you came in, because your way is determined by your why. leave here in a different way you know why and so how do we worship i'm gonna hit these things real quick how do we worship i'm gonna teach you how to worship right now Are you ready you want to be taking notes three things you can do how to worship this is how you worship number one worship based on choice not on feeling people say well i'm not i'm not feeling it right now that's not my song i like the other song never let me go that's not my jam i don't like that song i don't like that style worship's not a feeling Worship is a choice. It breaks my heart when I get phone calls from people. Hey, sorry I didn't make it to church today. Why not? Well, I had a tough day at work. I'm feeling, I'm not feeling well. You know, um, I'm just going through a hard time. Like, so, so because you're not feeling church, you don't want to come to church. So worship is a feeling, not a choice. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to talk bad at anybody or make anybody feel guilty. I want to empower you. Here's what the Bible says. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Through the fig tree... Though the fig tree does not bud. See, we don't have these problems anymore, but you can just put in your problem. Though the fig tree does not bud. Though my kids are crazy. And there are no grapes on the vine. And I got no money in my bank account. Though the olive crop fails. Though my car broke down. And the fields produce no food. Now I'm on food stamps, can't afford it. Though there are no sheep. Now I got no cars, now I'm riding the bus. And no cattle, riding the bus. Yet I will. Did you see that? He wills worship. He wills it. Now he feels it. He wills it. Yet I will worship. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I will do it. And here's a verse that it sounds like it doesn't make sense, but it does. Habakkuk 3.19. It's the very next verse. I didn't cut anything out. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. You know what that means? If you were in Israel, you know exactly what that would mean. Because the deer and the goat, they had big hinds and they had big feet on the rear because Israel was a very mountainous terrain. And so what he was saying was, my worship makes me like the deer. And if you look at the end of that verse, it actually says that. He says, it treads on high places. And so what he's saying is, worship sometimes isn't a feeling. Catch this, I hope it resonates with you. Sometimes worship is a climb. Sometimes you're in the middle. Oh, I feel God's anointing on. Sometimes you're in the middle of a situation and you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. Here's what you do. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. I'm not feeling it. It's hurting. Just keep climbing. Just keep. Jesus, Jesus. When you're in the valley, lift up the name above all names and climb yourself out of that valley with your worship. Sorry. 
You don't know what he did in my life. It's not a choice. I got to go through this. It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. Two. Number two, worship with everything you have. With everything that you have. Everything that you have. God's not asking you to worship like your neighbor. So don't feel pressure to do what your neighbor's doing, but he's asking you to worship with everything you have. With all the strength you have. One time, David in a room, there was this man named David. He was King David, and he wanted to worship God, but he needed a field to do it. So he went to his friend named Aruna. He said, Aruna, can you give me your field? I want to worship the Lord on your field. And Aruna said, absolutely, I'll give it to you. Take it. He said, no, 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 no. I didn't mean give it to me. He said, I want to buy it. He said, well, I'll give you a best friend's discount. He said, I don't want the discount. I want you to overcharge me for the ground. He said, why do you want me to overcharge you for the ground? He said, because you don't understand. I can't give God an offering that costs me nothing. He said, I can't worship if worship doesn't, doesn't hurt me. And so for all of y'all who show up here at 5.30 in the morning and 6 a.m., I know you're doing it with everything that you have, and I commend you because it's that sacrifice and it's that cost that is the worship unto God. And it's not even songs at that point. It's those people who are watching your kids right now and Journey Kids getting thrown up on, and they're getting thrown up on with everything that they have. It's people who are parking cars in the parking lot, and they're doing it with everything that they have. Come on, we say that in sports, right? We hear the coach, give it all you got. Leave it all on the field. Shouldn't we do that in this building? Leave it all in the seats. Leave it all at the altar. Come on, let's worship. Get our heads go on. Leave it all. That's what he wants. So, so, so it's a choice. You got to give it everything you have. Here's my last point. Worship, expecting God to respond. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Come close to God. And he will come close to you. Did you see that? That is both a challenge and a promise. That if you make the first step, he'll make the second step. Why is that significant? Because a lot of people wait for God to come to them before they come to him. God, it's after I get out of debt that I'll worship you. God says, no, come to me in the midst of your debt, and I will come into your debt. It's after I get healed, God, then I'll come to you. God says, no, come to me in the midst of your sickness. Worship me where you are so that I can meet you where you are. I'm not the God, I'm not the God who meets you when you're delivered. I'm the God who delivers you. So meet me in the bondage. Meet, I'll meet you in the, in the sickness. I'll meet you in the sin. I'll meet you in the struggle. I'll meet you in the hurt. I'll meet you in the pain. I'll meet you in it. I'll meet you in it. I'll meet you in the guilt. I'll meet you there. Come to me first. Worship me in the midst of it. And I will come into your situation. So is there anybody yet? in a situation today. Let me encourage you. Worship. Worship, why? Because he asked for it. Worship, why? Because it's your purpose. Worship, why? Because of who he is. Worship, why? Because of what he's done. Worship, why? Because worship changes everything. 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 Amen? So if there's an area of your life where you need God to intervene, let me encourage you. Worship. Focus on him and watch everything else get smaller. If you need that right now, if you need God to step into a situation, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Did you just, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hand and I want you to put it down. You need God to step in your situation right now. One, two, three. Again, put your hand. You need God to step in a situation right now. Amen. Good. Put your hand down. Would you do this for the next 20 seconds? Will you just worship God? Come on. Father, we love you and we thank you. There is nobody like you, God. God, we were taught that if we put you first, you'd come into our place. We need you. Jesus, you are great, and you are glorious, and you are good. There is nobody like you. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. Come on. Let it be your worship. Come on. Another 10 seconds. Let it be your worship. 
Just tell God how good he is. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Come on, maybe your mother's sick. Maybe your daughter's sick. Maybe your, your marriage is in trouble. Maybe you're single and you're desperate. Maybe you're, 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 you're broke and you need some financial relief. Maybe you just got no purpose. We don't war like the world wars. We don't need to focus on the enemy. We just focus on the victory. Just focus on the victory. God, teach us to worship. Let this be a lesson that we use not just today, but every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, maybe you're here and you would say, you know what? I'm not living right. There's some things in my life that are not okay. And I really need to make a decision to come back home to God. I'm realizing as you're talking about worship that my relationship with God is not what I want it to be. And I want to worship, but I feel like there's some things in my life that are keeping me from having that connection with God. Maybe a past, maybe some bad mistakes. This is your opportunity. God's grace and mercy surpasses all of our sin and shame. And so if that's you again, I'm going to ask one more time for just a bit of privacy. And if that's you and you want to make a decision this morning to give your life over to Jesus Christ, I'm going to count to three. And I want you to put your hand up, put it down. But I do want to see it for just a second if you can. So you're here this morning and, and you want God to, 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 to meet you. You need God to rescue you. You want to make a decision today to start over and start anew. If that's you, when I say three, shoot up your hand. One, two, three, all over this place right now. You need God to meet you right in your situation. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Go ahead, put your hand back down. Church, would you pray? Would you pray with them? Would you pray with them? Would you pray with us? Repeat this prayer after me if you rose your hand. Repeat this prayer after us, church. Father God, we love you. Forgive me. I am not where I'm supposed to be, and I am not who I want to be. But today I heard that Jesus can make me whole again. Forgive me for my past. Set me on my path. I want to start new today. Jesus, make my heart your home. I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we make some noise? about eight people. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text JOURNEYORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.